Welcome one, welcome all to another developer interview here on the Xbox Expansion Pass. Today I am joined by David Evans, indie game developer of the recently launched Sailforth, available on PC, Xbox, PlayStation, and Switch. I'm your host, Luke Lore. David, I am so excited to have you. Thank you for joining me. Hi, thank you. It's uh, it's awesome to be here. I'm stoked to have you. As I was telling you prior to, to beginning, you're the first video interview of XEP where we'll be putting the video out to people. Uh, and again, no pressure, um, but it's all on you, man. This is it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's in, it's up to me to make this this uh, return to video good, you know? Yeah, yeah. No <laughs> kidding. No kidding. Uh, well, look, man, Sailforth has just come out. I'm, I'm stoked for you on that front. Uh, I know how I'd be feeling if I just put out a video game. Where's your head at, man? Uh, <laughs> I don't really... I, I, it's hard for me to even say it's it's a weird feeling because it's been you know like six ish over six years of a wow. of development mm-hmm. um and i was kind of like anticipating how i was gonna feel like trying to like imagine um right now like it's i still feel like i'm i'm just kind of like riding the wave of the release and i'm like it's been really hectic with like patches and like um you know, responding to feedback and comments and stuff. And so like, I feel like I haven't really even had time to, to process that mm-hmm. uh, fully. Um, yeah, but it, it definitely feels good. It, it's been really great seeing positive feedback and stuff like that. People have been really nice about it. So that's, that's, that's really encouraging. <laughs> I, I can imagine why having played a good bit of it myself and then seeing some of the comments myself. Uh, I'm curious though, as you said, you were reading feedback. Is that something uh, that you intended to do? Did you find yourself just searching Sailforth up on the socials? How did it, how oh, yeah. did that come about? Uh, I mean, when it came out, I was pretty much just glued to the internet all day, just like, you know, uh, intaking everything every comment that i could find about it all the videos that people were posting there were some streams that i was watching mm-hmm. uh which was really cool to see um it's dangerous <laughs> dangerous water say. doing that because like you never know just one of those there's always going to be some like negative comment that you come across that just like counteracts the last hundred positive things you read is, is that the mentality? You see one thing that's critical and you're like, oh, no. Does it really take a one to 100 ratio it, kind of it thing? It feels like that. It feels like it does. Um, and, you know, you just have to remember you can't you can't please everyone. Uh, there's always going to be someone who's not happy with it. And some of sure. those, um, there's been a lot of feedback that's like positive, but also like constructive, like like. Mm-hmm you know, pointing out things that are missing or just like bugs and stuff like that. And so like, that's been really cool. Just, um, responding to those kinds of players and like working with them to get these things fixed. Gotcha. Gotcha. That makes sense. Well, I know I I would describe your game as a a relaxing, low poly pirate adventure. Uh, that's how I would describe it. Is that how you envision it or is it something different for you? Um, it's interesting, like, cause you say pirate adventure and like, that's definitely what everyone sees like people jump to sort of like the sea of thieves comparison or like a uh wind waker for sure is another big one and like one of the things that i wanted to do when i was making the game was kind of like get away from the pirate uh the pirate vibes i guess like um i specifically um you were actually asking about working with other people earlier um 
when I was working with this, my friend who did all the audio, like I specifically asked him, like, I don't want like pirate shanties and stuff like that. Like I want like okay. a different, because I wanted it to be this relaxing game. He said relaxing. And I think that is exactly what I was going for. Like, um, I wanted kind of like a chill ambient feeling and like, uh, so the music is like this sort of electronic ambient score. Um, it gets a little more intense during combat and stuff. Uh, but yeah, in, in general, like, yeah, I would say it, it's like an adventure, a sailing adventure, relaxing sailing adventure, I guess is kind of that makes how sense. I see it. Yeah. No, I, I can and see that full on. You mentioned Sea of Thieves uh, and Wind Waker. Would you attribute those to be inspirations on some level or would, did it come from somewhere else? Um, well, Sea of Thieves actually came out partway through development uh, okay. of the game, which was funny. Uh, and like definitely I took inspiration a little bit. Like I saw how they like how their water looked and I was very impressed by it. And I tried to incorporate some of the visual aspects of that, like the things that I liked there. Um, Wind Waker visually definitely a uh, inspiration, mm-hmm. and maybe tonally as well a bit mm-hmm. like that like lighthearted vibe. Nothing yeah. gets too serious in the game, you know. Um, other inspirations are like uh, maybe Assassin's Creed Black Flag. Like the sailing and that was something that I liked, but like there were just things about it that I didn't like as much, and so like I tried to like sort of take the things I liked and and uh, improve on the things or just change things to be more like to my tastes. Sure. Um, There's a couple of really old games too that inspired me. Like there's this old space adventure game called um, escape velocity. Um, And kind of like the world design of that game, like where it's split up into like, you know, these different little solar systems that you can visit. Mm -hmm. Um, And I kind of modeled, I think I like unconsciously modeled the, the world map after that. Um, yeah. When you, when did you get kind of culminate the concept of Sailforth? How long ago was that? You said it'd been development for what six years? Is that what you yeah. said? Yeah, and there was no really solid concept like from the get go. Like mm-hmm. I really just started out, um, you know, wanting to like experiment with with some boat mechanics. Um, like I was saying, like I I was in, I like sailing in games, and there's just like um it it never just like has worked quite right for me in games mm-hmm. like there's always like something about it that I would like want to tweak mm-hmm. um for my own preferences and so i i set it out i started out just like you know messing around with like seeing if i could get a boat that you could control and like felt good um and then i started doing like the water stuff uh to make it look better and it really was just like a little prototype that i was messing with um and I expected, you know, that I'd eventually just move on to the next prototype because I'd done quite a few things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for some reason, you know, just kept my interest. So I just kept kept working on it uh, year after year. And um, the design of it just sort of evolved organically as I did that. Uh, like it went through a lot of different gameplay iterations. Like it would, it's been like a roguelike type game. It's been like sort of an endless endless exploration game with mm-hmm. just like fully procedural stuff and no story. Um, it's been a bunch of different games over the years, which is partially why it took six years to finish. Mm-hmm. Like, I think if I had started out, like this is the exact game that it's going to be, it would have been a lot faster. 
You mentioned the water physics and you mentioned Sea of Thieves, which I, as an avid Sea of Thieves player myself, I, I there's a cool moment in, in Sailforth where I was sailing and the moon rose over the horizon as I was sailing towards it. Mm. And I saw the, the reflection on the water and the lighting and it gave me a really relaxed vibe. And I hear a lot about Sea of Thieves water physics and how much they spent, how much time they spent on it. And I'm curious for Sailforth, how, what aspect of game design did you spend the most time on or, or was the most crucial element for you? Uh, was it water physics? Was it the wind? Was there something else? Um, I would say like the, the physics and the water in general is definitely something that, you know, I, I was making changes to it throughout the entire development, just like, um, every now and then, you know, I would notice something in some other game or just like, even if I was like by a body of water in real life and like watching the waves and stuff and I would notice some like, Oh, like there's like a little sparkle, like when in these types of conditions or something i should see if i can get that uh to appear in the game somehow Mm -hmm. um and i would like go home and like see if i could get that to happen um so that definitely is like in terms of hours spent working on probably the longest just because it's like yeah so much so much iteration on that and getting the boats to feel right without being too hard to control but like still feel like a boat Mm -hmm. um that's just endless tweaking of numbers and and physics stuff. Um, the other part I would say that took the longest is just like to figure out and to also uh, just implement is just the whole story, like um, implementing all the different quests and all those things. Uh, that was like the last two years of development, basically. Really. Gotcha. What aspect of, of questing is, is so time consuming? Is it the writing, the planning out? Uh, um, testing? So this is where another uh, collaborator comes in. I was working with a friend of mine um, who uh, I hired to do all the story and dialogue and like script essentially. Um, mm-hmm. And he came up with, with, you know, like these great characters and cute story. Uh, and so he would write all these scripts for like, how each chapter of the game plays out, um, where all the different encounters are and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would take those and then make the character models, uh, implement like all the systems that were required to to make those quests happen. Um, and it was challenging partially because like we were essentially taking a game that I had made that had no story and no like sort of narrative progression of any kind and just trying to like take the game, take the story and then just like smash them together. Uh, and so it was kind of a weird process. Cause I, th- I think a lot of games probably aren't made this way where like you have like almost a working game with no story and then you just throw a story onto it. So I had to like change a lot of things and like um, make whole new systems that didn't exist to, to work with the story that was written. Um, it's not like the most optimal way to make a game, I think. Um, yeah, I can't imagine. I can't imagine. Did you, so, so here's like a reality question as an indie game developer, I'm sure finances are a thing. Do you have to plan when you change design like that? Does that impact your, your day to day? It totally would. If, if I was in like a more normal indie situation. Um, mm-hmm. so like the first four years of the development, I was doing it in my free time, uh, mm-hmm. while I was working a job. Mm-hmm. Um, so my fan- finances were kind of taken care of, 
um, during those four years. And then the last two years, uh, I had quit, um, to, to do it full time. And at that point I had like built up enough savings that I was just Mm -hmm. kind of like coasting on those. Um, and I didn't really have, I didn't have like a hard time limit for how long I could do it other than just, I didn't want to work on a game for 10 years, you know, right? (laughs) like it it was starting to get pretty anxious about the idea of being one of those, like one of those indies with like, Oh, like I worked on this game for 10 years and released it to like mild, mild, yeah, mild reaction, you know, (laughs) like yeah, the longer you work on it, like the bigger you're setting yourself up for, for disappointment, I feel like. So was that a fear going into the weeks, like, like the weeks and days and hours up to launch? Yeah. Yeah, it was quite <laughs> anxiety-inducing, especially because um, we, you know, did this surprise launch with Nintendo, and so it was very, mm-hmm. we didn't really know at all what was planned or what was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, no kidding, man. Well, do you feel yeah. better now that it's done? Like, you got that part out of your way? Yeah, yeah, definitely, <laughs> definitely. It's, a uh, yeah, it's fun. It's fun seeing everyone reacting to it and stuff. Cool. Cool. Well, I, I got to say one of the things that and this is probably not surprising to you. What, one of the things that I enjoy a lot about Sailforth uh, is the combat. There's a simplicity to your game that I find really approachable and that I enjoy. But I also really enjoy the combat and battling uh, the different enemies in there. But I rather than it be me to explain it, I would love for you to talk about uh, your combat design and then some of the enemies that you put in the game early on and, and maybe midway through. Sure. Um, with the combat, kind of like the main thing that I was thinking for it is that the sailing is pretty complex. Um, there's a lot going on there. Like there's, you know, you have to adjust your sails and stuff. Um, and so I felt like the combat should be relatively simple by comparison so that like you're not, you know, if everything is complex, you're just, it's going to be way too much. It's already a lot to think about because you have to be steering the boat and like thinking about the wind and aiming your cannons. So it felt like the whole combat part should be at least like relatively simple. Um, so I tried to make it kind of arcadey, where like you you know you just have like a crosshair. I do have like the uh, the cannon arcs. The like each weapon you know it has like a, a a field of view pretty much that it can aim within. So you have to think about that a little bit. But at the very least, if you have your crosshair on a target and you shoot, like it'll probably hit it. Um, you don't have to like do too much thinking outside of that and so and then for the enemies um like i said like the sailing is the main thing so it seemed like to me the main sort of enemy is going to be other boats and so that Mm -hmm. was the first thing that i put in was just little pirate boats that you could fight um and it wasn't really until the story started getting written that like other types of enemies started coming in because of like the the um just the world that that Jeff the writer had had built like you know there's like these monster crabs and krakens and stuff like that um mm-hmm. so those started coming in later in the development well, i think early on the player uh ends up battling a skull fort which i uh got a kick out of as a sea of thieves player just because it's a skull fort but also just the idea of like battling forts as a boat was a cool concept to me yeah and the forts um i'm glad you reminded me of that like the what I like about the forts is that they provide like a stationary target. So they're kind of like a, like the first thing you fight, I think is like a little skull fort that has a, a couple cannons on it. Yeah. Um, 
and they're nice like stationary targets so you can kind of like get the hang of of aiming the cannons when when it's not like moving around mm-hmm. um yeah and and uh it's, it was kind of hard to figure out just like different things that you can fight on the water because it's it's everything is an ocean <laughs> around you right. so like any anything any kind of like thing that you're going to interact with has to be like either floating or like part of some kind of structure that's inexplicably like just there in the middle of the ocean um so it's kind of challenging to like come up with these like i don't know interesting things to come across out there in the place that's like typically pretty barren of of landmarks you know (laughs) right you mentioned the kraken was it fun to design that in any way yeah making the bosses was pretty fun process overall like i'm not a uh a professional artist or 3d artist i guess like i i studied programming um in school and i just had an interest uh, on the side in art and so it was really fun making the 3d models and stuff for all these for all these cool monsters because it was like a fun practice uh, mm-hmm. i got to like exercise the 3d modeling skills a bunch and i feel like i learned a lot doing it so it was it was fun yeah Okay, so now I have to ask then if if art was something you did on the side and Jeff came in and helped with the story. Now, our our adventure stars one Captain Toot, Mm -hmm. which is hilarious and adorable and and fun. Uh, But there is a cast of characters in your game that I have encountered thus far that uh, are full of puns and are, are different sea creatures in what I can only imagine are some sort of land aquatic suits of some kind, <laughs> uh, which are great. Talk to me about a, a little bit about that uh, supporting cast and how you came up with them. Yeah, so that's, once again, like largely Jeff, the writer's um, creation. Um, he basically came up with all the characters. Captain Toot, you know, is like the tutorial character. Mm-hmm. So he's a Toot. Uh, and then... Um, Kind of the process that we would have is, you know, we would come up with, like, we need an NPC who does this for the player. Mm-hmm. Like, like we need a shopkeeper, essentially, because there's a shop in the game. Um, and so he came up with the idea that it's this, like, uh, slug in a in a aquarium toting uh, yes. robot. Um, and he's basically learned through watching, like, you can you can imagine that he's like watched videos or something of like used car salesmen or something and so he's like as in his little slug brain like kind of like vaguely learned the the mannerisms of a used car salesman but they mm-hmm. kind of get it wrong so they just they have like the idea of it but they don't like nail the execution of being the used car salesman so they just say things like really flat and like like a you know my prices are so low i hate them yes and just, like just silly things like that where it's like He's got the idea, but he doesn't. He hasn't quite nailed the the, the execution of being the used car salesman. Um, yeah, so um, you know, he would give me the description of this character, and then maybe he'd give me like some pictures from like Pinterest or something that he pulled down. I was like, this. Here's are some ideas of like kind of what I'm imagining of what the character would look like, mm-hmm. uh, and then I would take those as reference and like model up the character. Um, yeah. How long does it take to model something like that? And, and like, do you go through revisions on some of those? A little bit, yeah. Uh, I would say like one of those little characters takes me basically like the better part of a day to make. Um, mm-hmm. And then maybe like some tweaks to it uh, over the next few days. But like mm-hmm. most of the 
3D models are probably about a day's work. Like I tried, one of the things with the art style of the game, you mentioned it being low poly, like I tried to keep it really simple both to stay within my own artistic limits. Like I, I can't make these like super crazy detailed looking models that are in like big games. Um, mm -hmm. So I tried to keep the style simple. So it's like achievable by me with like a good level of quality, but also I knew that there's going to be a lot of models in the game. And if each one took me, you know, a week to make, right. it would, it would have taken even more years <laughs> to right. make the game. Uh, right. So yeah. Like in a similar way, all the all those characters they all share the same um, what's called like the animation rig, which is basically like the bones that move the character, and so they're all able to like use the same animations and stuff, which saves a lot of time. Sure, that makes good sense. That makes good sense. Uh, I'd have to imagine though, as I look at, at other parts of the game, you mentioned the shopkeeper, uh, which means you're buying and and and. Uh, buying resources selling resources uh there's fishing in your game uh which i know makes a lot of people really happy i actually really enjoy that fishing mini game for sure um okay. but that means you have to build an economy and stuff too right yeah kind of um economy is in this game is weird i think <laughs> it's probably not a fully functioning economy but uh um it's it, that kind of thing i'm not very practiced at or as a designer i think and that was kind of just like an iterative like let me try these like here's some numbers that i made up let's see how these feel and then like play it a bit and be like oh it seems like you know like maybe i get too much money from fish let me get less like turn mm -hmm. down, tone down the number mm -hmm. i think a more experienced designer has like spreadsheets or something that they use where they're like ah oh, yes like this is the perfect value for for fish mm -hmm. according to my calculations but uh <laughs> but i haven't quite cracked that nut yet <laughs> gotcha so it's, it's been like a yeah just a kind of iterative learning process there uh, you all that in tuning it uh did you solicit like testing feedback was there early access like or was it just you kind of going through and figuring out it's a combination yeah like i did a lot of playing it myself of course um we had we did kind of play testing rounds internally with um uh you know, just like selections of people that we reached out to mm -hmm. um, or people who expressed interest in playing an early version or something like that. Mm -hmm. We didn't do any kind of public early access because I don't really like the idea of doing that. Mm -hmm. um, I think that it sort of takes takes the wind out of your sails, so to speak, if you when you uh, go to launch for real. Um, yeah, so so it was, you know, you get feedback from from people about like oh like it seemed like i got not enough money early on or like i got too much money early on that kind of thing and then i just would tweak numbers based on that does that also play a factor in how you decide like how many cosmetics to have for your boat or for uh your characters and whatnot does that does that same kind of logic come into play when you're choosing how much to give the player kind of that was sort of like um Another thing that I just sort of like added things as I could, like uh, the cosmetics are largely driven by the fish that you catch and the photos that you take. Mm -hmm. um, and so the amount of cosmetics you can get was sort of like driven by how many different things you, can you take a photo of and like how many different fish are there because every fish gives you a different color mm -hmm. uh, for your boat. Um, 
and we ended up with like i think 36 fish or something like that mm -hmm. uh and so that was kind of like the driving factor for the cosmetics um but it was also just a matter of like same with like the number of boats i kind of just anytime i saw a cool boat design somewhere or like <laughs> or just like had a sometimes i was like a uh, walking around and i saw like some boat sailing that had a cool sail configuration or something like that um that would just inspire me to go home and like add a boat like that to the game um and then later i kind of like tried to like divide them into like groups that like made sense for balancing sure sure uh the idea that you would see boats just while you're out and about begs the question like do you sail yourself uh very little uh my dad is a sailor uh mm -hmm. and he used to have when i was young he had like like a slightly bigger sailboat like a 20 foot sailing boat mm -hmm. um and he used to take me out on that uh now he's just got like a little kind of rowboat with a sail basically mm -hmm. um actually looks pretty similar to the first boat you start with in the game um the pippin which is the name of his boat actually there you go uh, see that's cool yeah. um and so yeah i don't really sail myself on my own but like every now and then i'll go out on the lake with my dad um has your dad big... played your game yes yeah that was one of the big kind of that was actually one of the reasons that i started working on it as well as like in addition to just wanting to like mess around with the uh the boat physics and stuff for my own interests like i was kind of interested in the idea of making something that he might like that he might play he's not really a gamer of any kind but like uh you know he loves sailing and he's messed around with the game a little bit like he's not that interested in the story and like the mm -hmm. the other aspects of it but he he does like it's a uh, it's dad approved this game he says it it feels yeah. like being on a boat which is uh, mission accomplished there <laughs> mission accomplished son are you winning that's cool man. <laughs> that's cool i so here's i would imagine this is a standard kind of indie game conundrum well maybe it's not just an indie game conundrum i don't know steer me right on this one when you're deciding uh what scale your game is going to be at what platforms to put it on uh do you do you find yourself like having to, all right, it's going to be more work if I put it on Xbox and PlayStation and PC mm -hmm. and switch or like, where's the, where's the decision to go on to multi-platform versus exclusive or just focus in one area at a time? Um, I think kind of the mindset that we had about it is just like in some ways, the more, the better. Like, I think that there's, there are limits, like maybe there's a platform that's, just so small and the work to get it on there is so high that like the the math for it wouldn't work out but um and i think in general for all the major platforms like our philosophy was just like make the biggest splash you can on launch like if if it's out on like everything simultaneously then uh you know people can't miss it uh, as easily if you launch only on steam you're kind of like putting all your eggs in the steam basket um and it is significantly more work to do all the platforms uh mm -hmm. it did cost a fair bit of extra resources to uh to get that spun up but um it helped a lot that i was working with my other friend who runs this little publishing company called qag mm -hmm. um, quantum astrophysicists guild mm -hmm. <laughs> it's just easier to say qag uh and so he was able to help a bunch with uh, all the the console porting stuff 
Um, so that I think influenced the decision. Like if it had been just me, I don't think it would have just only come out on Steam. Like gotcha. Uh, I I don't have the resources to do all of, to handle all of that myself. You know. Sure. That makes, I mean, it makes perfect sense. That's probably the benefit of having an experienced publisher uh, focus on indie stuff and, and otherwise. Uh, I would have to imagine that's kind of one of the reliefs there. Um, kind of another reality thing is you're, you're looking into how much time you put into development, where you're going to put it out. Is it, is it difficult to come up with like a price for your game or do you let the publishers handle that as well? Um, yeah, that was interesting because uh, like... This was weird just because of how much the game changed over the years. Like mm-hmm. um, at the very start, you know, one, once I got to the point where I realized that it was going to be a game that I released and and sold, which mm-hmm. wasn't until like a couple years into working on it, you know, like at at the beginning, I was in the first year or two, I still just thought like, eh, it was just something I'm messing with. So you had um, no intention of of like selling this in your first two years of creating it? Not really. Like, I didn't know that it was going to, you know, in my mind, since it started out as just this little, like, prototype, like, in my head for a while, it was just still this little prototype, but eventually, like, sort of the curtain was pulled back and I realized, like, oh, like, this is a game now that, that I'm making. I guess David, I'm making a, a whole game. That's incredible. Uh, <laughs> Six years ago, you just made something for a hobby and fun and now you're selling it people are playing it and streaming it yeah it's pretty wild yeah it's really weird um but yeah so what i was to finish what i was saying is just that uh uh so once i realized that i was going to sell it it was just going to be like this kind of small thing like i think after the second year or something i think it was like yeah 2019 i think is where i was like okay like i'm gonna just finish up whatever I can this year and like release it and call it a game. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was probably going to charge like $15 I thought. Um, mm-hmm. Cause it was like, I don't know, just, that just seemed like a good number. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we kind of like, once I started working with, with QAG and everything, which happened, I think halfway through 2019 or something like that. Um, and the game started getting a lot bigger. Uh, then we started talking about, Oh, well maybe we should adjust the price. And we kind of like tossed around a bunch of numbers, um, like going as high as 30. But like uh, we kind of ended up deciding that, I don't know, 20 just feels like the sweet spot for this type of game. Like sure, it feels like it's not enough. It's not so much that you're like, it felt like you'd be inviting a lot of like scrutiny if, you, if you're charging half of a AAA game, you know. Sure. It feels yeah. like it's like the safe, safe price. It's um, funny how much money can play a factor in the value we put on on time and energy and like what something looks like might might play a, a factor for how much we think it's worth. Yeah. Uh, fun yeah. And such. And yeah, people have very specific ideas about what a, what games are worth. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I've noticed. Mm-hmm. And like, yeah, just an extra five dollars, I feel like can make the difference between like a positive review and a negative review, you know? Yeah. Um, Is, that's, I, yeah, absolutely. Uh, one, one kind of, kind of in the, in the, in our closing thoughts, I'm curious, uh, in designing achievements for the game, uh, was that something you consciously did after you kind of realized you were going to make a true game at that, you know, past that two year mark? Um, did you intend with, to create certain achievements or did that come later? Um, the achievements came later. Uh, I, I guess I had always 
had like various kind of like ideas about what they would be. There was actually one iteration of the game where I had kind of like its own sort of achievements system within it. And then I ended up kind of scrapping that because it just, it didn't feel like it was, I don't know, I just didn't like it, I guess. <laughs> sure. Uh, but, uh, but um, while I was doing that, that kind of like uh, helped me come up with some of the achievements for later because I used some of the same, same um, concepts from that. Like it made sense to me to like have a lot of achievements around the sailing or just around like stuff that you would do in the game. I like having the achievements sort of like be breadcrumbs to uh, the things that you're supposed to do in the game. You know, they're kind of almost like yeah. a tutorial. Um, if you're like looking at what the achievements are that you can do, it's like, oh, I can do this. Okay, I guess maybe I'll try mm -hmm. to get that achievement. And then that leads you to play more of the game. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, like lighting a ship on fire, I think, using certain time. Yeah, yeah. So you see there like, oh, you can light ships on fire. Like, let me figure out how to do that. And then that'll lead you down like the tech tree in the game to like get the thing to do that. And yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's cool. The, the, there's a deceptive level of depth thanks to that, which is really neat. Yeah, yeah. So, well, David, uh, as we do kind of get to our wrap up point, uh, I wonder is there anything else about your game that uh, you would like to point listeners or, or players towards something that uh, is in your mind that you hope they see uh, mm. in general? Uh, one of the things that I've been waiting for people to like find or like talk about, I guess, is the, the card game <laughs> that's in the game. Which I have not seen this. I, I don't me. know why I put this in there. Well, I do know because it just was funny to me. It was an idea that uh that me and the writer had when we we're there's this one character who's like maybe midway through the game that you come across. Mm-hmm. It's just this guy hanging out with a penguin. Um <laughs> and we were saying, like, wouldn't it be funny if you could play like Go Fish with this guy or something like that? Uh and at first we we're trying to figure out like, is there like is there some way we can just like kind of hack like a really simple game of go fish into like the dialogue system or something uh -huh. uh, that you could play with him. And then one night, I don't know. I just had like a burst of extra motivation, I guess, uh, uh -huh. and just banged out this little card game that you could play. Um, that's like a modified version of go fish that we call Blowfish. Oh, um, that's fun. And it's just, <laughs> it's really silly. You can, you can bet him some, some boat parts, uh and play blowfish with him and uh he and his penguin will play and uh you can lose all your money to to the penguin if uh if you bet wrong <laughs> oh that's <laughs> so it's, funny it's hilarious yeah i really want to cool. see what i really want to see is some streamer play and like bet everything they have and and lose it to the penguin and lose it all you're an agent of chaos you realize yeah. that <laughs> <laughs> a little bit Oh man, that's cool. I, I see now I'm even more anxious to discover that because I'm probably not quite to that midway point. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a cute little, little thing and it has, it just, yeah, it, it's, it was just like a fun little thing to throw in there that has nothing to do with anything else really, but it, it was just, it was fun to put in. It was kind of like a break from working on, I think it was nice because after working on the game for so long, like you kind of get sick of it a little bit. And so like, mm -hmm. it was kind of like making a different game for a little bit, mm -hmm. making this little card game inside of it. Um, yeah. 
Dave, that's a that's a box quote. You realize that? Like, you know, in Sail Forth, you can sail on a relaxing sea, watch the sun rise, battle different pirates, battle sea monsters, and lose all your money to a penguin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's uh we should I wish that we had a physical edition so we could put that on the box. We'll get on the phone with limited run. Don't worry. We'll make it yeah, happen. Yeah. Yeah. There That's you go. next for sure. <laughs> Well, uh, David, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to to join me. Uh, and I want to give you a moment to plug your uh, socials and impart any final thoughts with our listeners. Sure. And thank you for having me. Um, yeah. yeah, I guess all I'd say is just you can check out the game on Steam. It's called Sail Forth. Um, you can follow me if you want on Twitter. I post just stuff about whatever I'm working on. That's about it. Um, I'm at Festive Vector. Uh and yeah play the game it's it's really chill there you go listeners you'll be able to find his socials in the description of both the video and audio form remember you can subscribe to the xbox expansion pass on all your podcast services and over on youtube that's it from us take care